Hi, this is Susie McGrath. I play Tam Rivor in Star Wars Resistance, and you're listening to Radio Dakar. Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to Resistance, The Mandalorian, and more. Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and this is our review of The Mandalorian, Chapter 12, (laughs) The Siege. Sometimes the chapters, since they just kept going in Season 2, you have to think about it for a second, and I don't have my notes in front of me at the moment. Uh, But uh, it was a very enjoyable episode. Um, Both the kids liked it, so... You're going to hear uh, about what they thought, too. Uh, not just little Han. The Padawan sat with me during the review uh, notes session and made his own comments. So I'll add those, too. Uh, but this was, of course, written by John Favreau. But it was the directorial debut on the show of Carl Weathers, uh, Grief Karga himself. And, I mean, he's directed before. So it's not... Um, his chance to experiment or anything as a rookie, uh, he, he did a great job. Uh, he blended humor and action and intrigue really well. Uh, so I'll get to that. Um, I'll get to little Han's uh, quick comments in a minute because he had one thing that I really liked. I'm going to start with a, an ed- editorial. If you've listened to the show, you know that I am a supporter and believer of Star Wars Representation Matters. We want everyone to feel included in this show and in this this galaxy, regardless of your, your race, your gender, uh, your abilities or disabilities. Doesn't matter. You know, you should be represented in Star Wars. And I'm pausing here because I'm trying to figure out the right way. Because, you know, from my perspective as a white person, you know, I, I had no problem with that. But, you know, of course, with the original trilogy growing up, you know, there was always talk, oh, there wasn't a lot of women, there wasn't, you know, Lando was black, but there wasn't too many other um, characters of different races and ethnicities, you know, that, that was addressed, and, you know, in the prequels, there were, there was more diversity, and they're continuing to make strides with that, we've, we've had a gay kiss on screen, We've had, you know, a movie with a, a white female and a Mexican male uh, doing the lead. Um, you know, I'm reviewing a show with uh, the main character voiced by um, a Latino uh, male, a black man, um, a woman. The main villain is a black man. 
So, and that's great. We're, we're, we're making strides towards that. And also, behind the camera, you know, you want everybody to feel included in, in the making of these stories. Um, look at the directors just for this series. We've had two women, one of whom is um, Asian descent. Uh, we've now had two black directors. We have a um, Maori director in Taika Waititi. I want other people to feel represented in this show and I want my kids to look at it and say, you know, everybody's in this, um, everybody's included. We are fortunate my, my kids have been able to grow up with Asian friends, gay friends, black friends. A variety of people and they're just their friends it doesn't matter what you know any anything about that but I do, I, that, that's what I'm trying to teach them is that we're all we're all in this together and Star Wars is for everyone it really is so when one of the main actors on the show publicly on social media resists reporting or resists supporting Black Lives Matter and you know likes racially insensitive comments like it's not supportive of transgender people and makes light of it and then floats or and supports like scientific conspiracies about what we're dealing with in the world right now I, I, I don't have time for you Gina Carano alright you're not a good person when you do that and I don't want you I, I understand this season was already made before this became public but I don't want somebody like somebody like that doing Star Wars. You know, when the kids are watching, they don't they don't know about all this part of it, but I do. And yes, it was a great episode, but and the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, why does Gina Carano still have to be on this? And I, I've addressed it uh, before. Um, uh, Catherine Tabor. Um, uh, who voices Padme on Clone Wars and has done uh, audiobooks. She has publicly um, uh, supported racist people. I don't want them doing it. And we're going to have to deal with it. Spoiler, uh, Ahsoka Tano is probably on next week's episode. She's probably going to be played by Rosaria Dawson, who is a transphobe. She has a... Uh, some of the... Okay, it's been reported that some of the cases, uh, some of the charges are being dropped, but she is still charged with assaulting a transgender person. And 
and I don't want her doing Star Wars if that's the case. If you truly don't think that Star Wars is for everyone and that we're not all equal, then just go away. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of rambling, but I, I hope I've made my point. I, I want diversity of all kinds in my life and in Star Wars. And if the people who are creating that don't feel that way, then I don't want them creating it. <clears throat> so, I'm still going to review the show and talk about the characters. But I will not talk, other than this little editorial, I'm not going to talk about the actors themselves. Okay, rant over. Uh, but let's let's go ahead and get to the episode, which was a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to get to uh, Little Han's uh, uh, quick comments, then I will get into the bulk of the review. Welcome back to chapter 12. So, what I thought is um, Moth Gideon, if... If we ever said that he died, he came back. Sort of. So, I just wanted to tell you that that's the coolest part I saw, thought about it. See you later. Alright, so getting into the episode itself uh, starts out with that cold open where they're trying to fix the ship. And uh, Din has... Uh, tiny in the in the alcove with the wires. Uh, this is just a great little opening. Uh, I mean, how many of you with kids have tried to instruct them how to do something? No, the other one, not the not the blue wire. Uh, just so relatable. <sighs> uh, I mean, it's just like you know I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Where, you know, you'll do anything to protect them, but, you know, you have to yell at them to stop eating something. <laughs> um, or keep your hands off that, but... Yeah, like like when the kids want to help around the house, I'm like, okay, do it this way. No, no. Do the other one, you know. Um, and, you know, he's concerned. Right? He's asked if, he's, if Tiny's okay immediately. So it's all good. But yeah, a very, very cute opening. And then they're uh, having their broth or whatever. And, you know, Din lifts up his helmet to to drink or to eat, which you figure that's how he has to do it sometimes if he's around other people. But you do wonder, now that he's met Bo-Katan and the other Mandalorians who do take their helmets off, you know, is he starting to question his upbringing? And, you know, maybe he's like, well, I'll start doing this, and maybe I'll be comfortable taking my helmet off in front of him eventually. Or has he just always done it this way? Um, you know, because I, you know, the way Tiny was reacting to him uh, seemed like, you know, he was curious as to why he's doing it this way. So I'm, guess, I'm guessing he just waited for the kid to fall asleep in the past so he could take his helmet off and eat or whatever he needed to do. Um, 
but you know they're on their way to Corvus to see Ahsoka, but need to make a pit stop for repair, so they're gonna go to Navarro. So then cut to Navarro, and it's clearly the armorer's forge and her little lair, because um, the the mythosaur uh, crest is off the wall, and uh, there's some aqualish thieves um, kind of using it as a hideout. Um, but uh, Kara shows up to uh, fight them and uh, take back what they stole. Um, and, you know, she also saves uh, the little meerkat. Um, the Padawan was watching it, and he called it a squirrel, so I'm, go I'm going with squirrel. Because uh, that's what he liked. So, you know, it, I mean, there's other clues later as to, you know, exactly how long has it been since the end of season one. Uh, but it's enough time for you know, the armor to clear out and go meet up with the covert somewhere on whatever other planet. And, you know, they've, they've done a lot of work, obviously, cleaning up um, the, the town, the planet. <clears throat> it's made it, made it very livable. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's got to be at least a few months, maybe a year. Because the way season two started, you know, you could tell he's been tracking, uh, Din's been tracking down other Mandalorians for a while, so. But, um, but it's neat to see that, you know, Kara's, like, acting as a marshal to help clean it up and grease back uh, as magistrate. I wonder where he's, he was magistrate before. Maybe we'll find out. Uh, so the Razor Crest comes flying in. I you know I do like how you know as he's flying in through the clouds and approaching uh, the town. It kind of foreshadows the dogfight later. You know we get more more of it in the sky. And um, so when the guys are starting to repair the ship, I mean it, they made it pretty obvious that the Membanese dude was um, you know eyeing Din. You know you figure maybe you just recognized him from earlier, but it turns out he's a an imperial spy. Um, don't I mean if you played Squadrons, there's a Membanese in that game, Gunny, but Gunny has a prosthetic arm, so I don't think that's that's her. That would suck. I think it's just a just another one of the species. Uh, so when they're walking through town, um, did any of you spot the IG Eleven statue that they put in the like the little town square? Um, I guess it would have been right where um, Moff Gideon had the had the standoff uh, with all his troopers last year. Uh, so that that was sweet. Uh, what IG Eleven sacrificed. And so they turned the, the well, they rebuilt the bar and then turned it into a school, <laughs> which, which was neat. Um, I mean, it's like, well, on Clone Wars and stuff, we've seen school, uh, schools before, but it's neat to see it in live action like this, not just uh, like the clone training or the Jedi Academy or the Jedi Temple or anything like that.
so obviously the scene set up to, um, you know, with just the cuteness of uh, the child and um, where he <laughs> takes the the blue macaroons or whatever they were. Um, if you listened or read uh, Pirate's Price by Lou Anders, which I have highly recommended on the show before, um, Hondo finds a blue Bespin breakfast bars on the Falcon. Uh, so maybe that maybe that's what these are. I don't know. I just like saying blue Bespin breakfast bars. Are you going to give me some privacy, cat? I'm trying to do a show. Fine, you can look around. So, yeah, so the uh, scenes obviously played for free humor with Tiny. Uh, this is the first time Tiny's kind of used the force, like, non-defensively, to, you know, like, to save another person. He just did it out of hunger. <laughs> uh, but still cute. Um, uh, the interesting thing about the um, this scene, if you have the subtitles on, uh, there's a lot of, like, background exposition that explains um, kind of like the map of the uh, the galaxy and what the different regions are. And, you know, mentions Coruscant was the capital of the Old Republic and actually mentions that Chandrilla at the time is the capital of the New Republic, which was, and that was established in the Aftermath trilogy, and that's where Ben Solo was born. And, um, you know, still still the case in Last Shot uh, by Daniel Jose Older which takes place around this time. It's a Han and Lando adventure. So, the, yeah, they, the idea of the New Republic was they were going to move the capital around. Um, so it started in Chandrilla, and I don't know if it went to other places, but it was Hosnian Prime in the sequel era. So, yeah, just go back and watch the scene with the subtitles on. You'll just get some neat stuff, like talking about the, the Achilles Maelstrom and Kessel and all that. Uh, so they go to Grief's office. Uh, Mithral is back. Um, Horatio Sands. Um, so it turns out he worked for Grief before and just, you know, like left on him. So that's why he, you know, Grief personally put the bounty out. So neat. Um, you know, when I, when we saw the clips of Mithral in the in the trailer, he thought, well, you know, does he just run into him or is he? busted out of prison or something, but no, he was just caught to be brought back to grief and he thought him out and, and that, you know, they reference uh, like the eyesight issue with being frozen in carbonite. Um, but I, I liked him in this episode. Um, you know, he was the comic relief, but he had, you know, he just tech savvy enough to help them out and, and everything. Uh, it was good. Uh, so they, You know, care and grief need a dense help. Yet again, he, he, he needs the ship fixed, but, you know, they're like, okay, but we'll, you know, we'll, you got to do this for us. That's been, like, the plot of every episode this season, but it's been different stuff, so it's okay. Um, but, yeah, there's, like, what they think is just an Imperial forward base on the planet they want to get rid of, so uh, there's no more, no more black market trading or anything like that. Uh, so they head out there. Um, I like the the speeder. You know, it's kind of, 
obviously an homage to Luke's speeder on Tatooine, but different model. Um, and you know, like the scene where they're trying to get in the door. I mean, that, that's a good. That's where all John Favreau's writing, but Carl Weathers' directing was really good too. Um, you know, the humor. Um, kind of mixed in. Oh, like um, well, the whole conversation about you know the using a blowtorch that's graded for plumbing to break in, and, um, and then the stormtrooper falling down after Din took them out up top. It is good stuff. Um, oh, uh, the Padawan, when he was watching, he did like that they, the Empire Empire has a garage there where they kept all the speeder bikes and everything. He, he, he likes cars and stuff. Uh, not the movie cars, but just like cars and construction vehicles, anything that moves. So, you know, he knows about keeping them in the garage and all that. So, yeah, Padawan liked that part. Um, oh, it was really neat They when they took out the one Imperial dude and they took his code cylinder. So that's what the pen-looking thing sticking out of their tunics are. I think this is a, it would definitely happen in Rebels. This is the first time we've seen them actually use a code cylinder in a, in a socket um, in live action. You know, we've only ever seen droids uh, do it. So, yeah, that's what they're for. And, and you know, when they're... Uh, shutting down the the reactor, or trying to overheat it, they you know Thrall mentions no no guardrail, so call back to there never being a guardrail. So yeah, the the Padawan really loved the lava, and was you know was worried about people falling into it, so that was that was his recurring theme, and like when the base blows up and lava's everywhere, he, yeah. So he he liked. Um, when it looked like they were going to fall in lava. That was, I think that was his favorite part. Uh, so, you know, they find out that this isn't a military base, it's a lab. And they get the hologram from Dr. Pershing, uh, so we get the return of Obin Abdahi. Um, and, you know, I didn't really expect this from the episode. I thought it would be like just kind of a nice side mission to bring back Grief and Kara um, before he goes to see Ahsoka. Um, but... I mean, they really pulled forward the plot about, you know, what did they need the child for and all that. Um, yeah, they said M-Count. They didn't say Metachlorian, but it's Metachlorians. Um, so, you know, they needed his blood, and they did get some out in Episode 3, or Chapter 3, before uh, didn't rescue him. <clears throat> so... And then as we see at the end of the episode with the dark troopers or whatever they are, um, you know, are they <clears throat> trying to use midichlorian-rich blood to infuse troopers so they can have, like, force-sensitive troopers? Or are they trying to, you know, it's Moff Gideon wanting it for personal use? Um, you know, this is the stuff hopefully we'll find out. I wonder if maybe that's a kind of an end point for the series this is total speculation you know um you know are they using do they want to use midichlorian high blood for troopers to give them abilities and when either that doesn't work or they're still defeated maybe gideon injects himself with the last of the blood and tries to be like super powered for his final showdown with den and 
whoever else um, can you know kind of mutates or whatever. I, I don't know. So at least you know they kind of jump started that plot here, and and then as they're trying to get out of there, it's it's just old school Star Wars with fighting off stormtroopers in an imperial hallway. They did it last week on the transport when Bo-Katan and uh, Din and Axe and Casca fought the stormtroopers on the down that way. I mean, that's just. I mean, it's old school Star Wars. It was just great. Um, you know, not much else you can say about this part of it. Um, you know, they make it back to the garage, get the transport, the Trexler Marauder. So it's not exactly the troop transport, like the Kenner toy that we saw last season. Um, but they get out of there in that. Din went back, of course, to get the child. I... I I did like the shot, at, you know, as they go off the edge and they're uh, heading down to the to the ground, and they show that one cockpit scene, shot where they're all screaming. That was good humor too. Uh, we get the speeder bikes chasing after them. I've always loved biker scouts. Uh, I mean, way back when they were introduced in it, um, Return of the Jedi. So I mean, they, they had some cool stuff to do here. Uh, then we get uh, the TIE Fighter Pursuit. Uh, so just more good old school Star Wars. It's interesting, like, from ever since, like, the sequel movies and um, here on Mandalorian, they've really liked to do, like, TIE Fighters in the atmosphere fighting, not just in space. So that's been different. Um... But then there, you know, the uh, the Razor Crest has been fixed, so we get a nice dogfight where Din takes out the rest of the Tie Fighters, and the gag where he's got Tiny and who still has the the macaroons, and it, he's like cheering like he's on a roller coaster ride, and you know once all all of them are taken out, he throws up, and that, that's another relatable thing. Um, It'll embarrass him, but uh, the first time I took Little Han on an, on a loop de loop roller coaster at Dollywood, uh, he I didn't think about it, but he had eaten lunch before that, and so he goes on the ride. He's fine, and we're walking just down the promenade to the next attraction, and he just threw up all over the pavement. <laughs> and so I kind of learned my lesson. That kind of turned him off from roller coasters, but. So yes, this scene where Tiny throws up after the the dog fight is uh, kind of relatable. I'm sorry, little Han. But what about the effects? Like that one shot where he um like reverse thrusts and like revs up the engine so he can go in on that last Tie Fighter. It looks it's a really good looking TV show. Um. So yeah, that's it. So. You know, ship's fixed. They get rid of the base. Everything's good. So Dan's heading off to Corvus, hopefully, for next week. Uh, but then Carson Tiva shows up. Um, Paul Sun-Young Lee, again. Um, he, you know, he's kind of investigating what was going on. And I'm really digging the subplot. Um, 
where, you know, he's doing kind of a Commissioner Gordon, Sam Gerard type, you know, like tracking the Mando's actions down and taking, you know, taking out the Imperials and um, everything else he's doing. So, yeah, keep him as a recurring character with investigations and everything. I am really digging that. And, um, oh, and the, that I mentioned it two weeks ago, um, yeah, Ludwig Gorenson has really done, <clears throat> like, a proto-March of the Resistance, um, for this X-Wing patrol. Uh, yeah, really liking this. So I hope we see more of him this season. You know, he's kind of <clears throat> recruiting Kara to join the cause, and she thinks about it. Um, I do wonder, this could be a way to get her off the show, based on what I talked about earlier. Um, maybe she joins up and gets killed on a mission, and we find out about it. Um, but I think, you know, Kara, the character, is definitely considering, you know, like, what, what does she need to be doing uh, to honor, you know, like, people she lost on Alderaan. All right, so then we get the ending with a, um, I, I didn't write the model down, but it's like a, it's not a, like, a uh, big cruiser Star Destroyer. It's just one of the smaller ones. We, we saw it on Rebels. Um, so, you know, we get the Mimini spy reporting in um, to the Imperial Lieutenant, played by uh, Katie O'Brien, who, let me see, people were raving about her online. I think she was on Black Lightning and a couple other shows. But I hope, hope we see more of her. She, you know, nice and sinister. Um, and it'd be good for uh, Gideon to have, like, a, you know, second-in-command. Um, so, yeah, we turns out there's a tracker on the on the Razor Crest. Uh, that's how they're going to, you know, keep hot, hot on the trail. So she reports into Moff Gideon, and we get Giancarlo Esposito in live action for the first time this season. We saw him in Hologram last week. Uh so yeah, he he knows that the the asset's still out there, and they're going to track him down. So maybe there's a confrontation with Ahsoka next week. Um, and then we we get the reveal with the dark troopers or whatever they are. So just a great way to end the episode. Um. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it, it was really enjoyable. Carl Weathers did a great job uh, directing this. Um, maybe he'll do another episode later on. Uh, but thanks for listening. Um, I'm guessing there's going to be a lot to talk about next week. Um, I think little Han probably have more comments um, about a character he loves. Um, but yeah, the story's moving forward. We're very excited. Uh, it's halfway through the season. Uh, we'll just keep rolling with it. Um, but again, thank you for listening and hearing what we all thought about it. Um, you can follow us on social media at Radio Dakar on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, all the previous Radio Dakar episodes, all the reviews, the interviews, um, commentary, they're on uh, most major podcast platforms, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google. Um, but until next time, may the force be with you.